Hey, it's Seeking Plum, and we're back with Socrates again. Five or six days ago, I talked about learning as recollection, or rather, Socrates' perspective on this. And some of his ideas have been niggling in the back of my head. I haven't been sitting quite right. Before I get into any of that, if you're listening on iTunes or Google Play, if you want to catch up, go back and check in to the episode entitled Learning as Recollection, and if you're here on Anchor, I'm going to go ahead and echo those segments. Then we'll get right back into it. So for brevity, I left out a call-in and my response. Alan from The Sentient Future brought up some great points that helped to refocus me. I came out of Alan's call remembering or realizing that there's really two kinds of knowledge. Socrates was talking about one kind and I had been smushing uh, two types together. We create or learn uh, knowledge based on how to interact with our environment and other people. And what Socrates is talking about are things that we uncover or that we recollect. Things about goodness and uprightness and equality. These things have nothing to do with what we might um, create on our own. And just as an example, what I mean by create, that could be language, that could be, as I mentioned, carpentry or rocket science and so on. Okay, where am I today? I believe I mentioned that Socrates is a religious man. He either believes in one higher power or many. It wasn't quite clear in the book. And he believes that our knowledge comes from this alternate plane or this place where there are absolutes and it seems that these things are perfection. At first I started buying into this idea of learning as recollection, but this raised a bunch of other questions for me. Either the knowledge then that we recollect comes from somewhere or from something or someone. Now I don't believe in a higher power or higher powers, so that leaves a place. There are scientific explanations for the origin of the Earth, the Big Bang Theory, and then evolution to where we are today. But this other place, how did it come about? This perfect plane? Does that again lead back to some higher power or being and it creating this plane? This place of absolutes? This question left me in quite the quandary. Because if I believe in learning as recollection, then I have to deal with that as an atheist. So then I started asking myself, do I believe in learning as recollection? I really should have echoed Alan's call, and maybe I will do that a little later. But he made another point, and that was that the ideas that Socrates was talking about, if we can uncover them or recollect them, he mentioned that maybe if humans died out and another uh, species rose up, that maybe they would also uncover or recollect them as well. If learning is recollection, then I could see that being true. That makes sense to me. But I think I have come to a possible alternate theory. But maybe you can help me out in case there might be flaws or holes in it. 
what if we have an understanding of goodness and equality and of brightness because of empathy? What if it's because of that at our core? So it's not about prior knowledge, but it's the imagination and being able to put ourselves in somebody else's shoes, being able to feel what it must be like to be them. And out of that, we somehow form an idea of what is good, equal, and upright. We have varying degrees of empathetic responses based on our experiences in life. The meaning we make of what we take in, how we interpret things. So I don't necessarily think that there's any degree of perfect value of empathy or how that's applied. Which sort of leads me into my next point. If we believe in a place or a being as the source of our knowledge of these things, how does one define absolute goodness or absolute uprightness or equality? I think it can be somewhat easier to describe a perfect circle or shape, but I think it becomes more difficult when it comes to concepts or ideas. Because if one is to embody, let's say, absolute goodness, there can be no perfect consequences or outcomes from these absolute actions. But that's really the question, isn't it? Is the outcome what defines absolute goodness? Can absolute goodness, equality, or brightness exist without consequences or cause and effect? <laughs> The more I think about this, the more complex I think it is. How, uh, how do you define these absolutes? Just thinking about absolute equality, you could simply say that it is making sure that, um, as a simple example, each person receives an equal amount of apples, let's say. But what if one of those people is skin and bones and another person is quite healthy? Should the person with skin and bones receive a little extra so that essentially they are all equal for their health, not necessarily all equal in quantity of apples? See, it's not quite so simple. Same thing with goodness. As in oversimplification, suppose there's a bug on the sidewalk. If you are embodying absolute goodness, if you save that bug and every bug like it, you are encouraging a growth in population of that particular type of bug. That could be adverse negative uh, consequences. Is that absolute goodness? And if you squash that bug and others like it, you could be causing damage to the food chain. Again, is that absolute goodness? If you squash some and save others, is that absolute goodness? In some ways, I think it's easy to talk about the idea of absolute whatever, but is it easy to define it? If Socrates believes in this alternate plane where there is absolute all of these things that are positive and good, then he obviously believes in the opposite where there is absolute evil and inequality. The more time I spent reflecting on his ideas and mine, I wondered, am I simply framing my perspectives around my non-belief in a higher power and my desire to fit it 
fit my ideas inside of some framework that I can understand without some sort of religious take on it? And is he doing the same with his faith? Is he framing his ideas within that framework? Regardless of the answer to these questions, does it really matter? I've said before that I'm not so sure that this perfect plane exists and that it's more something that we've created, a, a construct of sorts. I don't see anything wrong with Socrates living his life in order to reach that plane of perfection if he uh, equates that plane with heaven and me living my life with this um, idea of empathy at our core. We have different understandings maybe of our process of learning and where our knowledge comes from, but I don't see anything wrong with that. He obviously has a lot more figured out than I do. I'm still processing some of his ideas um, outside of or uh, teasing them out of um, his perspective on faith because I, I can't embrace the idea of reincarnation uh, nor the idea of a higher power. I won't get into some of that here because I don't feel like that's my place, at least not here. Anyway, that's where I'm at today. I don't know where I'll be at another six or seven days from now, but let me know your thoughts. I am very curious to hear them. Thanks as always for listening. Hey Seeking Plum, it's Alan with Sentient Future. I just wanted to touch on your idea of us being empathy-centric, if you want to use that term. That empathy is at the core of who we are and that that is something that we can recollect or that we can discover regardless of whether it's been taught to us. Now, I can't speak to the science or neurobiology of it, but I know that you know, a mother feels this attachment to her child, uh, typically, and that that must be biological and not something learned. And since genetically we are all family, albeit distant cousins perhaps, I love the idea of empathy being at the core of who we are as a survival mechanism. The golden rule, right? Perhaps that knowledge is easy to recollect because that's how we're wired. What do you think? Thanks for your call, Alan. I am going to use this empathy-centric uh, phrase for ease. It works. You've done it again. <laughs> I originally thought that the empathy idea was moving away from learning as recollection, but you've brought it back to where it can still be learning as recollection, but instead of from a place of an alternate plane or a person, it's coming from hardwiring as you described it. I can't speak to the science or neurobiology either, but what I had in mind when I was thinking about it is not only people, but um, I've seen so many uh, pieces and articles about the empathy of elephants, and you see this in so many other kinds of animals as well. And you mentioned mothers. Being a dad, you have experience seeing your wife care and love for your children. I do think of empathy as being built in, or as you said, hardwired. And if I think that 
learning goodness and a brightness come from that, then it could still fit that learning is recollection. It's funny, for all my talk of thinking uh, in that shades of gray are important and not to think in black and white, because of growing up in black and white thinking, I find that I still have tendencies of black and white thinking. And I think that this is a case in point where I look at Socrates' idea and I toss out um, or I look at it and try to evaluate it and then I say okay no this doesn't make sense and instead of as you did still being able to pull pieces from it I just I, th I threw it all out anyway that's sort of off topic but no this makes sense this 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 makes sense for me thank you hey Seeking Plum just responding to your absolute segment Regardless of the existence of a plane where an absolute good could exist, I believe we couldn't reach it. Not because we couldn't live a perfect life according to our values, but I believe there are inherent paradoxes in absolute goodness. In your Apple example, there is a difference between equality and fairness. Which one, if either, is part of absolute good? Never mind a third option of a meritocracy. Ironically, perhaps, I bet many wars have been started over disagreements of what is universally good. So I prefer your empathy-centric model to Socrates' model of an absolute goodness. It's consistent with my belief of life really being a set of decisions. And so while I think it's impossible to make everyone happy with you, the least we can do is connect with those who aren't happy with us and show them we understand how they feel. What do you think? Another great call, Alan. You more eloquently and succinctly describe the issues with absolute goodness and fairness and equality. You also mentioned meritocracy, which I think really fits into some of Socrates' ideas. I don't know that I mentioned it, but when he talked about reincarnation, he also mentioned that those who seek out wisdom to the fullest extent, as, as a philosopher would, and deny their bodies um, and their senses, they will achieve this... He didn't quite use the word heaven, but it's like this higher level. So they won't be reincarnated into animals or insects or even back into humans again. They will advance. So essentially, if they're doing that here on Earth, setting themselves apart and working towards perfection, to achieve the land of perfection, it is a creating a, a meritocracy of sorts. Anyway, that was a tangent, but I liked that you reminded us that life is a set of decisions, not just things that happen to us. And that is very fitting coming from Sentient Future. What I also really liked is that you pointed out that we can't please everyone, and it's important to connect with those who aren't happy with us. I liked it because typically someone is not going to be unhappy with us 100% of the time. But in those moments when they are, are the moments we can sit down and build a new bond, or a better bond rather, by trying to understand where they're coming from. And hopefully by doing that, they will try to do the same with us. Anyway, after all my babbling, I think your final point is my biggest takeaway in this call. A solid life lesson. Thank you. Okay, Alan, I just re-listened to your call and I feel like a 
dunderhead because I, I feel like I missed the entire point. You mentioned that maybe because of the uh, absolute goodness paradox that maybe we can't reach this alternate plane, which makes sense. And I mentioned that maybe Socrates um, believed that heaven and this alternate plane were one and the same, but he never said that. And maybe I just assumed he believed that. I guess because typically when we think of, quote, heaven, it is this place of uh, utopia and perfect everything. So I assumed when he was talking about absolute goodness, etc., that they must be one and the same. And then when he was talking about reincarnation and he was talking about philosophers being able to advance beyond the cycle of reincarnation, it just seemed like maybe they were one and the same. I don't know, maybe he believed they were two separate places or maybe one. Either way, I'm with you. <laughs> I paused there for a few minutes and this is probably really something stupid to consider, but See, I sometimes try to ask myself whether I'm jumping to a conclusion and I'm missing something. And so I wonder, if, if I pretend that this alternate plane exists, then is it possible that these paradoxes are not paradoxes there and they're just something I can't wrap my head around here or we can't wrap around our heads around here? We understand 3D modeling or 3D anything pretty well, but the idea of a 12-dimensional object is pretty well beyond us. Even four and five dimensions is difficult to understand, and trying to represent it in any sort of a two or 3D um, representation is, is difficult. And then I turn around and I say to myself, you can only consider what is, <laughs> what is in this dimension you can't consider what is outside the realm of your reality. Anyway, I am babbling here, but uh, I don't know what my point is. I don't know that I have a point, but uh, thank you once again for your call, and I apologize for completely missing the point the first time around. And I don't know that I got there this time either, but hopefully my distracted brain got a little closer. So I think I'm going to wrap up Learning as Recollection 2.0 right here. Although I didn't include Alan's call from the other day, you heard a lot of back and forth between the two of us today. From Socrates' um, plane of absolutes to uh, an empathy-centric uh, alternative idea to how do you define these absolutes and, and more. I have a feeling I'm going to be percolating on these things for days to come. As always, I appreciate you listening and if you choose your feedback as well. Here on Anchor, you can leave claps or in the discussion you can make comments, you can give me a call, or if you prefer, feel free to tweet me at Seeking Plum on Twitter. Thank you, Ellen, for an engaging day. I hope all of you are having a fabulous start to your week, and I wish you a good evening.